You're listening to the Thunder Underground Podcast, episode 49. Happy St. Patrick's Day if you're listening the day this dropped. If you're listening in the future, well, hope your St. Patrick's Day was great. I don't know what people do besides drink or whatever, but, you know, happy St. Patty's to you. That's right. <laughs> they drink green beer. Yeah. As always, I'm Trent, and this, of course, is Jason. That's right. I'm Jason. And by the way... That fucking green beer, all that is, is beer with green food coloring, and they jack it up two more bucks. What, so, you're, you're fuck saying that. there's not actually a green brew coming out of... I hate to dispel the myth, but, you know, someone's got to tell the truth. <laughs> well, this episode is dropping on St. Patrick's Day, special edition. We figured since it's St. Patrick's Day, we need to drop this Lenny Lashley episode. Definitely. Very excited for this one. We did this a few weeks, it's been about almost three weeks ago now, and we held on to it so we could put it out this week, and we're excited about it. Both big fans of the Street Dogs, we're both newer fans now of Dark Buster, yes. and of course, Lenny Lashley's Gang of One and all that stuff, we'll get into that, he'll get into that here in a bit, and of course, before we do all that, we like to play music for you, we like to play independent music. If you've got a band that you want us to play or want us to check out, thethunderunderground at gmail.com or shoot us an email on Facebook. Either one works. This band we're going to play is called Madewell. They're out of Tulsa, Oklahoma. And this song is called Nothing. Once again, they're out of Tulsa, Oklahoma. In typical punk fashion, that's short to the point. It's got a cool hook to it. The vocals are unique. You know, he even gets into a little dirty stuff there halfway through with his vocals as well, which I thought was cool. Just all around a, a cool track, and it's cool to hear stuff like this in Tulsa. I know there's, I know it's out there, but personally, I just haven't found it <laughs> because I don't search for it, I guess. That's the problem, but... I do love what I've heard from Madewell, all the stuff I've heard, so glad we got to play this. What what do you think? 
Oh, I love it. Uh, it's it's got it's raw. It's got bounce. It's got a cool uh, guitar line that's going along with. Sometimes it goes along with the melody. Sometimes it goes along with the riff. Uh, it, it's it's a uh, signature punk in true fashion. Uh, great way to kick off our uh, punk rock episode of the podcast. Uh, and I we met uh, we met Nate from Madewell, didn't we? Yeah, we did at, at a show not too long ago. So. Uh, you know, great Tulsa stuff. Get into it. Like you said, you know, we're, we're kind of, we're just now kind of getting into the punk stuff in Tulsa. And we, we admittedly are new at it. You know, and if any of you guys have any suggestions, want to throw us some tunes our way, you know, definitely do so. Uh, but yeah, Madewell, um, there you go. It was great to play it. And uh, everybody needs to go check them out. Yeah, they're on Reverb Nation. Search for Madewell. They've got several songs up there. They're on Facebook. Check them out. That's right. Well, like we said, this is a special punk episode. And before we get into the Lenny Lashley interview, we just wanted to talk about punk for a while. Yeah. Talk about what stuff we're into, what stuff we were into at a young age, all that great stuff. And I don't know where to begin. Early, well, I could say where to begin. I could say, yeah, that's what. Well, they, go ahead. I, I I had questions for you, but well, I was just gonna say that they, whoever they are, say that punk rock has gone away, but I don't believe a word they say. <laughs> that's right. You know, I just wanted to quote that since this is a Street Dogs themed episode because right? we all need a little punk rock and roll. Yeah, the whole lyrically, that whole song is the perfect summation of punk rock it is it is for sure so so here's what i want to ask you what was your first your first like time you saw it heard it and you know what what did it did it plant something inside you or i mean did you just like eh, you know and then get into it later well as far back as you can remember what what was what was your first kind of learnings of punk rock well i think most most everything I saw or heard at an early age was the typical Sex Pistols or Clash, that kind of thing. And it never, I didn't dislike it. I just didn't latch onto it, you know, because we were metal dudes. Yeah, yeah. Glam rock dudes and then thrash metal dudes and then all that stuff, right? So we didn't really, I didn't really go that way yet. But the first thing... I thought about this earlier because I'm like, what was the first thing that I actually latched onto? And I think it was whenever I was sitting around thinking, I need to fill out the rest of this order for BMG to get <laughs> to get a few more CDs. What do I want? It's always mm-hmm. the fucking music clubs, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And I saw the Ramones Greatest Hits. Yeah. And I thought, I need to get this. It's got like 28 songs on it. Yeah, exactly. R- Ramones Mania. Yeah, that's what yeah, it was. Yeah, Ramones Mania and then yeah. you tape your penny. Yeah, <laughs> to the card and sent the motherfucker off. Yeah, <laughs> I got Ramones Mania, and I think that's the only the first thing that I had purchased. You know, well, purchased it through BMG, but you know, yeah, what I mean? yeah. And I got that and absolutely loved it. And from there, it was really that, and then Social Distortion that I heard around then. Okay, those were the only two things that I really latched onto at an early point. Yeah. And then more stuff came later, but I think those are, I think that's where it began for me at least. Yeah. I mean, I knew of other stuff, 
but I just didn't really dig, you know, outside of hearing it when friends would play it or, you know, randomly in other places. Yeah, sure. You know, but what about you? Well, I think for me, it all started with uh, the Ramones. I remember, you know, having MTV, uh, you know, out here. Uh, We're out here where I live, where I grew up, not far from you, and we were kind of slow to get cable. You know, in the 80s, so my dad got one of those gigantic uh, satellite dishes, right? Oh, yeah. And so me and my brother were just enamored that we finally got MTV. And, I mean, I didn't know they were punk. I mean, I didn't know punk from anything. I was just a kid. It it was all rock and roll to me. It could have been punk or metal or whatever. All I know is I saw, you know, four long-haired guys in leather jackets singing about Pet Cemetery and I Want to Be Sedated. Those are like the first two videos from them I remember seeing, and I just I just dug it. It was catchy. It was short. Um, and it rocked at the same time. I think that's... I really think that that's what... When I look back on it, you know, when I go over everything that I've listened to over the last almost 40 years that I've been alive... I think that's what implanted in me my love for just short, straight, basic, you know, just streamlined stuff. Because that's the Ramones. They were catchy, but it was like economical and loud and punchy. Uh, And that just, that that was my first learnings of it. And of course, kind of like you said, but then you kind of see the Sex Pistols and the, the typical spiky hair safety pin stuff. But I didn't really latch on to that as much as, you know, I don't know. The, just the Ramones made an impact on me pretty early as a kid. Well, what was it not until later that you got another stuff? Like yeah, when Rancid I mean, hit and that kind of thing? Well, or was, it was it? I think it was around that time, maybe a little before. It was, like you said, you know, we'd gone on to be metal kids and we loved our hair metal and all that stuff. <clears throat> but in, uh, you know, 10th, 11th, 12th grade, you know, I, I just kind of, I was in a, I was in a period, that was a period where everything that we liked was getting pushed by the wayside for grunge and alternative. So I went back into what a lot of the metal guys, you know, their influences, and I got into a big classic rock thing. And then uh, a good friend of both of ours growing up, David Thompson, yeah, uh, he was getting real big into punk, traditional punk. I mean, you know, Dave, if you're out there, uh, you're the whole reason that I like any kind of punk rock at all, and it carries to this day. It all starts with you, Dave. If you're out there, and I know you are, actually. <laughs> yeah, I remember him, like you know, telling me to listen to the Germs and the yeah. UK subs. He and was that kind big of on the Germs. Yeah. yeah, big on the Germs. And I never did. Yeah. I, I did later on, like years later. Yeah, like, it was. You know, but like. It, Back then, I'm like, no, I'm listening to Anthrax, dude. Yeah. And the cool thing about him was that he was into all the thrash metal and stuff, too, so he wasn't like one of those judgmental dudes. Oh, was no, he like, was totally you. cool with it, you know? <laughs> uh, except for one time we were driving around, and I had Ugly Kid Joe, and I don't think he was too hip to that, but that's okay. <laughs> Anyways, but and, you know, and I remember, it's funny you mentioned the germs. He loved the germs, and he was into, you know, he had the, the spiky hair and the ripped-up stuff and the clothespins. And he was living it, and that's what he loved. And he was unabashed about it, and that's what I admired so much. And, you know, he did it. He went to all the house shows and house parties with all the underground. And he had a shirt on. He had a rancid shirt on before they really, really blew up huge, you know. And so 
he he turned me on to rancid he turned me on uh but, but i think the first thing that he turned me on to that really stuck with me was the misfits because it had that kind of dark thing that you know metal you know metalheads love yeah. but it was punk and i loved those recordings they were like these shitty recordings but they were so vibey and they were so they just set a tone and it really colorful and it, it just it was less about production and more about just scaring the shit out of you and making you feel something. Uh, you know, I mean, go listen to Mommy Can I Go Out and Kill Tonight. I mean, you'll just scare the shit out of you. <laughs> and I think from, from then on, I was like, okay, I'm going to... And then, you know, and that's when I was like, oh, well, the Ramones are a punk band. I remember them from when I was little. Let's get into them. Let's get into this. Let's get into that. And it just opened up a whole thing. Uh, and that's one thing I loved about the '90s was, you know, getting to getting all these great records from Rancid and Social Distortion. That was another band we both love. Social, we're nuts about Social Distortion, uh, and it just it just kind of from then it was all just right there. You could check it all out, and there's just I don't know, man. There's just so much cool stuff, you know. Yeah. Well, the Misfits, you mentioned that, was one that most anybody that was into metal knew because yeah, of Last uh, Caress, Dan, because yeah, of Metallica. Last Caress, yeah. Last exactly. Caress, Green Hell, and then you knew, oh, Danzig used to be in that band, because you like Danzig if you're into metal, you know? That's right, that's right. And, and I kind of, you know, I checked it out at that point. I think I borrowed something from somebody. It might have been Dave, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, and I listened to it, Now I didn't, I didn't latch on to it like you did at that point i was just mm. like because it was so low quality sounding i was like well this is cool but i just you know it wasn't until years later that i'm like okay this is badass you know yeah i get it oh uh, <laughs> dude i mean i i hate to toot my own horn i don't want to sound like a douche but i got it right away <laughs> right. I was like, it's, it was just just balls out just mean sloppy fucking we don't care we just want to we just want to make people feel something you know, and I just, I mean, I fell in love with it. I listened to that. It was, uh, I think it was the Misfits, it was some compilation, and he just made me a tape of it. I don't even know. Later on, I found out what it was called, but I, I wore that tape out, man. I wore it out. I think my parents thought I was possessed or something. <laughs> well, as I mentioned, we're both, you know, metal kids still to this day, but it's like, so I assume that if someone who's a diehard punk fan is listening to this, they're going to scream, we're skipping over tons of stuff. But, oh, yeah. You know, I you know I admittedly, my punk knowledge even to this day is just like a little below the, the surface, you know? Exactly. I didn't really ever get super deep into it, and I still love a lot of stuff. And I know a lot of stuff about the bands that I really love, but there's tons of bands out there that you know, we should be listening to like fear or something that I've only heard a little bit of in my exactly. life on occasion. Yeah. But, well, and you know, it's just like, just like we said a little bit ago, you know, we're admittedly, you know, there's some stuff we don't know about and, you know, let us know. And there's nothing wrong with saying, well, you know, I'm into this, but there are, there's probably a lot of stuff I could listen to. Yeah. Uh, but you know, we like what we like, you know, I mean, there's, there's a lot of stuff you know, black flag is such a iconic name when it comes to punk and I, I never really got hardcore into them yeah. henry rollins you know was my kind of gateway back into them uh you know and uh which by the way if uh you want a good album go get uh 
the West Memphis three right. benefit record. Uh, um, God, what's it called? That first song. Oh God, I'll think about it. Keep going uh, on something else. <laughs> yeah, that's killing me now too. But yeah, the whole thing is remakes of Black Flag songs with, you know, guest vocalists. Yep. But so yeah, all that. You know, punk had its heyday in the rise se- above. There yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Punk had its heyday. You know, its beginnings in the mid late seventies and in the early eighties. Yeah. And then kind of went away in mainstream at least, and then came back in the nineties. With Rancid and Green Day, and to a lesser extent, like Bad Religion, yeah. and there was all those offshoot bands like Goldfinger and whoever. Oh, yeah. Well, you but, know, Bad Religion, they they were kind of there yeah. from the 80s. You yeah, know? I mean, they had been around, but they didn't really have commercial success True. Yeah. to a mainstream audience until the 90s. But, so, so let's just get this out of the way. What's your thoughts? I know you like Green Day. Yes, I do. I like. I love Green Day, and I don't give a fuck what anyone thinks. Right. I've, I've got a big middle finger for you. <laughs> right. I liked Green Day with the in a past tense. Yeah, like I can still hear stuff now and like it, but yeah. I heard so much of their stuff over the past fifteen years that just pisses me off. Mm-hmm. You know, like anything that is slow by them. Uh, yeah, you know, true. Good riddance when September ends. I don't know. Every single song I ever hear just pisses me off. It just sounds whiny and stupid. Yeah. Can't stand it. Oh, no, I will completely agree with you there. <laughs> but when that first album came out, when Dookie, I mean, well, I guess it was their second album, but their first major label album came out, um, I think I won it. Um, like, okay. It's one of those Zuna 4.5 things or yeah. something. And I dug it. It was cool. And the one after that, I think I liked a little, but then it just kind of faded for me. Okay. Whereas bands like Rancid, you know. I love them now as much as I loved them then. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, of course, and see, people, it, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but it seems like, you know, punk purists wrote Dookie off or wrote Green Day off because, you know, it was 1994 or whatever. But it doesn't fucking matter. That's just a great punk record. Yeah. No matter how you slice it. It doesn't matter if it came out in 79 or 94. That is a great punk record, and you just can't argue that. You know, the punk purists are going to write it off because it was super massive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and then I, I I admit I checked out on Green Day. I, I kind I didn't like that geek stink breath or whatever. And right. Good Riddance was stupid. <laughs> I kind of like you know Walking their, Contradiction was cool. Um, Brain Stew, their ACDC ripoff was all right. Yeah, yeah. And and uh, when they put out the Warning record, it was acoustic, kind of an acoustic thing. It was a different avenue for a punk band and i thought there were some cool songs on it and you know i even liked you know the the big shit uh i don't i mean american idiot or whatever yeah. that record i mean it was cool it had a lot of cool songs but and that's why i just you know and, and if they're out there's a big band that's playing guitars and shit instead of somebody that's at a laptop so <laughs> to me that's cool but at the same time i agree you know a lot of their slow stuff i just you know i gotta turn it on the flip side, there's a band from that era that I like that I know you don't. Yes. Which is The Offspring. Yeah, I know. I knew exactly, yeah. <laughs> and it was the same way. I really liked the first album, and then I kind of checked out. And then now I'm back on The Offspring train, I guess, for some reason. Yeah. Like, listening to older stuff and the last couple albums, 
they've got some questionable stuff on their last couple albums, you know, this real borderline pop, but yeah. you know, it's still, oh, yeah. there's still a lot of the typical just offspring rock. And I just like the fact that he was never that great of a singer, didn't have much of a range, but it just always sounded cool to me. <laughs> But that's about all I've got on that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I like him. I don't. I'm not a massive fan. Well, but. well, you know, that can bring us. The, you know, that was like three big punk bands that came out at that time, and the one that we both loved and still love today is Rancid. Right. Well, we got to get into them. Yeah. And we talked about them on an episode a while back because we had the opportunity to see them live recently. Yeah. yeah. And we'd seen them live at least. I think I've seen them twice before, and you've seen them maybe three times? Or um, I've seen it twice. Okay. It was twice. It's probably the same then. Yeah. And, but that was way back, and we saw them this past September at Riot Fest in Chicago, yeah. and they played An Outcome the Wolves in its entirety. Yeah. Which is pretty pretty amazing. Yeah, it was very amazing. Because, <laughs> I mean, that, kind of like you said with other albums, that's that's one of those albums that... I mean, that thing's 20 years old, 21 years old now, mm-hmm. and it's, you could easily, doesn't matter if you're a punk purist or what, I mean, that's got to be listed as one of the greatest albums ever, as oh, far man. as punk music goes, you know? Definitely. I mean, it, there's just, the the songs, I mean, you can put that album on and not skip through anything. Well, any rancid, you don't have to skip through, but, I mean, you know what I mean? It's just one of those, it's just iconic. Yeah. Hands down. Well, like you said, everything that they've ever done is quality. Yeah. They don't. They yeah, don't I mean, release subpar crap, you know. <laughs> they they've got this just like, um, you know. I, I like that they've got kind of that little sky influence, but not too much. You know, they they've got that real honest, you know, ska thing. You know, like uh, you know the Interrupters are doing now, which they're great, uh, but like not stupid cheesy teen movie 90s teen movie skull like real big fish or something yeah you know i mean and it's just they've got kind of a bright kind of sound and you know they're so catchy and uh, you know the i think that uh you know the they just work real they work very well together and uh i mean any 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 record indestructible or you know uh life won't wait god that's a great fucking record i mean it's just rancid is just one of my one of my favorites. But the the cool thing about them is that they've got all these little offshoots that they've had going on for years. You oh know? yeah, like the yeah. transplants. Yeah, and Lars's I can't remember what his Lars thing's. Fredrickson and the Bastards. Yeah, isn't it? Yeah, and all this stuff's cool. And then then you've got in a totally different realm. You've got Tim Timebomb. Yeah, that's great stuff. Yeah, and this is stuff. I don't know how long he's been doing it, but at least he's been putting out music the last few years with it and you go look this guy up on spotify or itunes or something there's like 100 some tracks and you know half of them are covers half of them are originals you know he's got rancid songs on there they're all stripped down to just either him and an acoustic or you know sometimes it's full band but it's it's, just like a different arrangement yeah, yeah it's just a real stripped down laid back you know type version yeah and and that that reminds me uh <clears throat> his solo album tim armstrong his solo album a poet's life it's just one of my favorite records it's like this just mellow kind of reggae-ish kind of thing i don't know it's just great i think he's got the agro lights with him oh it, yeah it's just an amazing record well and in that same vein 
that reminded me of Mike Ness and his solo work. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Which yeah. You don't really you wouldn't call this punk at all, but no, it's more it's more roots music, yeah. Americana, if you ask me. But since it's him, you know, yeah, exactly. We can throw it out there, and it's got that edge to it, like cheating at solitaire. And yeah. what was the other one called that had the covers? Under stuff? the influence. Yeah, under the influence. All, yeah. And I mean, he fucking did a song with Springsteen. <laughs> you know, "Misery Loves Company." That's yeah, one remember, of the best songs ever written of all time. And you remember Springsteen brought him on stage a couple years ago? Yes, right? yeah, that's on YouTube. Go look that up. Yeah. They did "Bad Luck," I think. You know, and then then that can we can just go right into yeah. social distortion on and that. I mean, Tim Timebomb does a version of "Bad Luck" that that's, is badass. That's right. That's right. Tim Timebomb also does a kick-ass version of. Uh, um, Los Angeles is Burning by Bad Religion, which That's is right. a great song in itself. But then Tim Timebomb does a completely awesome, different version of it. I mean, this is what we're talking about, people. It just goes everywhere. Right. <laughs> but yeah, Social Distortion, you know, just is another one. You could oh, say yeah. just like Rancid or something where there's no, really no mess, missteps in my opinion. No, there's none. You know, and even the later, st- well, later in that early period was... White Light, White Heat, White Trash, which was, what, 94, 95? Yeah. And I just absolutely love that. That's the album that, you know, I liked them before that. Yeah. But that's the album that, like, solidified it for me, and I went back and just, like, oh yeah, really got everything. Because you always heard uh, Ball and Chain on the radio. Yeah. And then, you know, because The Edge would always play it, and, you know, that's a great song. And then they come out with, and at that time, then they come out with White Light, White Heat, White Trash, and it just blew it open for us. We were just instant fans. It was just like, it was edgy and hard, but it had like great songs. And I mean, it, it just, I don't know, I think, you know, from our backgrounds and the blue collar thing that we come from, uh, and just, you know, what we like, it just, it just hit us, dude. Yeah. And they're just one of those bands that still to this day, you know, you see them live. It's great every time. Oh, yeah. They still put out good music. I mean, it's been a few years, but... Yeah, you're like, what are they going to do next? I mean, what can (laughs) they do? Because everything, every album is like just a fucking masterpiece. Right. And then they come out with something better. Everything's memorable. Memorable as hell. Yeah. Like California Hustle and Flow or Bakersfield. Oh, yeah. And it's like, you got to think, in a way, I guess, social distortion have almost kind of moved into, like I've said before, kind of a rootsier thing. You know, like, they've had, like, Lucero open up for them and stuff. Yeah. I mean, uh, so, I mean, it's just, but they still have that, you know, they still have that punk rock thing going on, for sure. And that's another thing I wanted to bring up that just reminded me, is that punk is kind of cool, because it's just like metal, where there's, like, a... 48 million different genres. Yeah. And you got people, you could have 10 different people that like punk or metal and they all like something, you know, a different style. Yeah. And it's like, and they hate the other style, you know? Yeah. It's like when you think of punk, there's all these, you know, there's like the stuff like, you know, the dead milkman or something, which is punk, but it's like, you know, kind of like that, you know, which is funny, you know? Yeah, exactly. Where all the lyrics are, you know, kind of jokey and stuff. And then, then you've got like the extreme stuff, you know, or just in your face and there's like, you know, no catchiness to it at all. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then you could like, you know, hardcore, which is, uh, you know, it's an offshoot, I think. Yeah. I was going to ask you, you that. Know? Like, 
where does punk end and hardcore begin? I, I don't. I don't know. I mean, you've got because agnostic front. front I see that. Ball, I see that. I see them a lot. Listed. Sick of all. Sick of it all. Like I see agnostic front listed a lot as a punk band. Yeah. But I always just thought they were a hardcore band. Yeah. But I don't know because you wouldn't really consider hate breed punk at all. No, no, you wouldn't. But they're hardcore. Yeah, they are. But those one, the earlier ones, I guess, like Madball and. And Agnostic Front, you know, kind of crossed that line a little. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And that's another band that, like, admittedly, I always knew who they were just because of their name, but I never really listened to them, Listen Agnostic to, Front, yeah. until, like, the past year or two, whenever Josta kept bringing them up yeah. on his podcast. <laughs> so I checked it out, and I'm like, holy crap, you know. Yeah, this it, was, is a, it was badass, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, this he is was a great right. band, you know, yeah. and I... I've missed them for 25 years or however long I've been listening to this stuff. You know? <laughs> Damn you. <laughs> and another one that you see listed there sometimes but isn't is Suicidal Tendencies. Yes. And that's because they kind of cross the line on a lot of things, you yeah, know? Yeah, I know. They, they straddle a lot of shit. And that's one band that I've loved since, you know, the same thing, since 90, 91 probably. Yeah. yeah. And, but I just, I don't consider them punk. But if they are, then they're at the top of my list, you know. There you go. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Well, you've got all these other bands like, say, The Damned. Yeah. You know, that, yep. that is another band I kind of missed the boat on, but recently listened to more. And we got to see them. Yeah, we saw them at Riot and, Fest. And That's they, right. They kicked ass, you know. And you've got all those these old school bands like, you know, Minor Threat, Discharge, the UK Subs, yeah. you know, Fear, all that stuff that people say is great, but I'm, you know, admittedly. Yeah, I mean, I haven't got into a lot. I haven't <laughs> right. got into a lot of that, I, I I will admit. And that's and that's always one of those things where I'm like, I should and I need to and I look it up, but then something else hits or I'm at work or something happens right. and I just don't, you know what I mean? But, I mean, it's there, and, you know, I'm going to get to it. But you like so. Iggy Pop, and the Stooges could somewhat be considered punk, right? Oh, yeah, I mean, they, they I think a lot of people hail them as, like, you know... The first. The first, or yeah. one of the pioneers and whatnot. Them and MC5, yes, probably. yeah, yeah. Which then led into the Sex Pistols and Ramones. Yes. And The Clash, of course, which I oh, know... the Clash. You hadn't even brought them up. I know See, you're... Uh, man, I mean, that that is just one thing where, I mean... Clash is like, they were, to me, I mean, I, I don't know, it's, they were kind of like a gentleman's punk. Yeah. You know, they weren't as snotty and sloppy as some of them. Yeah. They were more, it, I don't know, maybe I'm using this term, I, I don't know, but it just seemed they're a little bit more avant-garde, shall we say, if I can get a little fancy. <laughs> but, but they've just got, you know, they, because they'll do, they, they'll do weird shit, you know, they'll do, you know, ambient shit or they'll do poppy shit with, you know, with, uh, you know, xylophones and backup singers. But when it come down to it, the Clash were amazing for their songs and their songwriting. And I mean, you know, London Calling, you just can't ask for anything better. Uh, you know, Bank Robber, Daddy Was a Bank Robber. I mean, fuck. <laughs> it's just, uh, it, you know, and everyone knows, oh, yeah, Rock the Casbah. Well, they get, it goes so much deeper than that, you know, way deeper, uh, you know. Guns of Brixton. I mean, I don't know. We could just, I could go on about the Clash. You know, <laughs> I love that band. You know, till the end of time. And they were they were gonna get back together, 
and then Joe Strummer passed away. Were they really? Yeah, they were. I read where they were. They were in talks to. They were talking about maybe doing something. Damn. Yep. <laughs> well, this and kind of you, you know what the clash can bring us into. No, I don't. They can bring us into the the Boston oh, stuff well, yeah, okay. because the Clash were so influential on all those guys. I want to throw one one more in before we move to oh, that. Go right ahead. Which is another band that was kind of punk, not but is a one-off album, which was the Neurotic Outsiders. Oh yeah, yeah, yep. Which of course I bought because uh, you know of you're Guns a and gigantic Roses. Guns N' Roses fan, right? And it featured Steve Jones from Sex Pistols, as well as John Taylor from Duran Duran, and then Duff and Matt. Yeah. And it's just a, a great an album, amazing album, underrated as hell from the 90s. I think it came out like 96, maybe. Yeah. And, you know, it's got Duff singing some songs, Steve Jones singing most of them. I think John Taylor might even sing one. But it's just kind of like that same kind of vibe, like you're... Like we're going to talk about the street dogs, just, you know, yeah, that kind of raw rock and roll power. That's right. And with that voice that makes it, you know. Yeah. I, I need to go back and listen to that. I, I You turned me on to it years and years and years and years ago. It's on Spotify now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't for a long time, but it, it is now. So. Sweet. <laughs> Sweet. But all right. So, <laughs> Boston. Yes. Is the city of the day because Lenny Lashley. That's right. And well, St. Patrick's Day. Right. And so that brings us into those bands, which, you know, of course, is in a later time period than the other stuff we've been talking about. Yeah, it came out more, us. yeah, the mid, I think the the first, well, this is Dropkick Murphy's 20th yeah. anniversary, because they started in 96. So that's pretty much, and a lot of this stuff offshoots from that, so. But I'd say we've probably what, been on a Dropkick Murphy's thing for maybe 10 years. Yeah, I'd say. Yeah. Maybe a little longer, but. Yeah. And Street Dogs probably since the beginning, right? Yeah, because I I never knew. I first saw the Street Dogs when they opened up for Social Distortion, oh, like okay. ten years ago or something at Kane's Ballroom. That's right. And I had and they did Bank Robber by the Clash. By the way, <laughs> I had no idea that Mike McColgan had been in Dropkick Murphys, right? Until he said, "Hey, there's this band I used to be in called Dropkick Murphys. I'm we're going to do a song." And they did one of that, and I was like, "What the fuck?" So I had to go look all that up. But anyways, yeah, I mean. Yeah, I'd, forget, I'd completely forgot they opened there. Yeah, and so I looked all their stuff up and just in love with their street dogs. They they renewed. I mean, they they gave me that same spirit that you know Misfits and and Ramones give you. Yeah. And like the first the first time you're rancid. Yeah. I mean, it was just uh, it was just complete rebellion. It was it was awesome. The Rebel Song. That's right. The the thing I love about street dogs is it's a lot of the same thing with rancid is that. No matter what the subject of the song is, it gives you a good feeling. Yeah. You know, you yeah. feel uplifted somehow, yeah. some way. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the style of music, the way they play it, it just always just gives you a good a good vibe. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, huh. from their first, you know, Savin Hill right on to, you know, what they're doing now, the, was it that noise split seven they did with, yeah. you know, uh, and just, um, I mean, fucking... Fading American Dreams, great. Uh, you know, State of Grace, that's an amazing record. I mean, Street Dogs, I mean, they're just, uh, you know, and they, they, they do these, like, 
two and a half minute songs. They put like 20 of them on a fucking record. <laughs> it's just awesome. It's great. And we saw them here in Tulsa in a small club. Oh, man. At the Vanguard. Oh, well, back when it was called something else. But that the was. Marquee. It was called the Marquee. That was, uh, man, that's probably been. Was that like 2008 or yeah, something? Yeah, 2008, 2009. Yeah. That had to literally be one of the best shows I've ever been to in my whole entire life. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, and it's like, I was Frank the Tank at that show. And it's like, <laughs> yes, everyone knows you had a good fucking time, Frank. <laughs> and that was me. Well, it's just another one of those shows there where like, there was maybe 150 people. I don't even think there was that many. I mean, there was a lot of people up front, I remember. More than some of the shows I've been to there. Yeah. I went to Three Inches of Blood and there was... Well, uh, yeah. I was at that one, but anyways, yeah. Were you there? Yeah. Me, yeah. Oh, okay. I thought just me and Tracy was there. Nope, I was there. But yeah, and there was like 65 people there because yeah. I counted. Yeah. But, <laughs> but, but, you know, with uh, that show, The Street Dogs, it's like, you know, you, people say this all the time about a lot of bands, but, you know, they put on the same show whether they're playing... You know, in front of 40,000 people or in front of 45 people. Yeah. And it was just from the get-go. And I remember after the show, we met Mike, and he even pointed you out, right? Yeah. He's yeah. like, you knew every word ever yeah, since. He, he, he basically was, called you out for being a fanboy, but he was appreciative of yeah, it. Yeah, he was like, what's your name? <laughs> I was like, Jason. He goes, you knew every fucking word to every song. I'm like, well, yeah, you guys kick fucking ass. <laughs> and I mean, you know, I yeah, I was a fanboy, but... Who cares, you right. know? Hell yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he he was a nice guy. It was just great. It was just one of the best, you know, I was I was drunk off my fucking ass, but I remembered every fucking thing of it. I mean, that was just, uh, that was one of the best, that was one of the best nights of my life, that show. <laughs> I'm, I'm saying it. I don't care. <laughs> well, what about the other stuff from Boston? Flogging, Flogging Molly's from Boston? No, they're, well, they're, they're from... See, I was about to bring them up. The, I think they're in this conversation, but they're, you know, Dave King's from Ireland, but they all got their start in L.A. Oh, they're from, okay. Yeah, I they're didn't from realize LA, that. Okay. Really. And, uh, but at the same time, they're, they're, they're really tied into, uh, and that was the next time I saw Street Dogs was when they opened up for Flogging Molly wow. at the Kane's Ballroom. I didn't even realize they opened for yeah, them. Yeah. 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 And then, and then a year or so after that is when we saw them at the, vanguard or whatever okay. but um but yeah i mean <clears throat> flogging molly they're a little bit more they've got a little bit more acoustic folksy kind of leanings but they're yeah. still they're still definitely in that kind of irish definitely you know world uh you know because dave king's from ireland and he definitely looks and sounds like he's from ireland yeah. you know and he used to be in fast way so there you go say what you will man. say what you will that was him <laughs> yeah well, we've got that. I mean, do we need to talk about Dropkick Murphys? Everybody knows and loves them. We love them. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I can say, I have to say, since this is St. Patrick's Day. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's no other there's no other band that you can get into for St. Patrick's Day than Dropkick Murphys. I mean, I, I'm not going to explain it. I'll be here for another hour. Go look <laughs> it up. I mean, Green, you know, Shamrocks, Boston, Irish... You know, they've got a bagpiper, they've got the tin whistle, they've got the banjos. It's, their music is so fun and it's so passionate and they've got hooks for days, but it's like, at the same time, it's a raw punk thing. I mean, you know, 
I can't, I, I can't tell you how good this band is. And I got to two years in a row, I think 2010 and 2011, I went to Boston for the, uh, annual, uh, St. Patrick's shows that Dropkick Murphy's puts on. And, you know, we saw like, I don't know, four nights in a row or something. I mean, it was just epic at the House of Blues in Boston. And the vibe is amazing. Everyone is just in a great mood. Everyone's nice and just, you know, merry and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> the drinks are flowing and, you know, they, they, they mixed up the set list every night. Hell, one night Bruce fucking Springsteen came out and did Peg in My Heart with him. That's unbelievable. It was, I couldn't <laughs> fucking believe I was there. I mean, I was kind of back there in the back. But I was fucking there, you know, because it was just so packed. Um, and it's just a, a great vibe. If if you ever, ever get the chance to go to Boston during St. Patrick's Day, you have to go see the Dropkick Murphys. I mean, you have to. Do all the shows lead up to there's the final one on St. Patrick's Day? Uh, yeah, it's, it... it's kind of been different in the past. Okay. I, think cause, I think last year they did all these shows that week and then... They flew to Ireland like that night so they could play in Ireland on St. Patrick's Day or some, <laughs> wow. just something crazy like that. But it's usually all around St. Patrick's Day and that kind of thing. Um, and it's just, uh, we even, uh, one year we, uh, we had like these, uh, there was a night off in between the three or four shows that we were going to and we had nothing to do. And so we bought these, uh, like VIP passes to their show. They, they were going to, they're taking a break during these shows and driving up to Lowell, Massachusetts and doing a show in, in the big college arena. And we bought passes to that and we got to do like a, a bus thing. And then you get to go to a meet and greet with them. So we got to meet them and all this kind of stuff. And it was a free open bar. And then they drive you back on the bus to Boston. I mean, it was just a, it was just a spectacle in this band. They does, they do it right and they're great to their fans. And I mean, you know, and that leads us to, I think I can say that leads us to this year, the Dropkick Murphy's St. Patrick's Day tour is going on and Darkbuster is opening the tour. The 20th and, anniversary tour. Yes. And it consists of Lenny Lashley, who is in the Street Dogs Gang of One. So, uh, and that's who we have our interview with this, uh, this week. Yeah. So let's mention Dark Buster. Yeah. Which is why he was in Tulsa. Like he was a part of the dropkick tour, but he did an off date here in Tulsa. Yeah. I think they had a night off because the next night they were in Dallas. So on the right. way, they just stopped in Tulsa at the first shop. And, you know, this Dark Buster, the new album is, is really cool. We talked about it a little, I think, yeah. whenever we first. Yeah. You know, after after we did the interview, maybe that episode. But it's just got a really cool vibe to it. You know, several different things going on. And it's it shifted a lot from what they sounded like early on. Yeah, I think so, too. And I think we even talk about that in the interview. And mm-hmm. he, he talks about that as well. But that obviously probably comes with age because that was like 15 years ago. Yeah. 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 But, but yeah, I mean, these guys are a great band that, you know, they aren't known mainstream outside of the new england area i don't think but, they are now yeah i mean thanks to dropkick murphy's and yeah. and his and him being in the street dogs i think that's helped a lot so yeah yeah and uh you know i think that dark buster uh, new album no revolution i mean 
it kind of straddles the line between it's I hate to say a pop punk thing, uh, but it's it's pretty catchy and it's pretty happy sounding, but it also has kind of a a rootsy thing going on, and I think it 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 kind of straddles that really well and makes a really cool record and a really cool vibe. Yeah, and uh, we talked about that, and also he's got the band Lenny Lashley's Gang of One. That's right. Which is also some cool stuff, and he also does solo stuff where he's just playing acoustic. Acoustic, yeah. yeah. Which hopefully we'll hear something recorded from him in the future on that. Right, right. But he's been in Street Dogs now for three years, I think. I think and, so, yeah. And, you know, I mean, I know that when we started this, if you had made a list of bands you oh, would man. like to have on the podcast, Street yep. Dog, a member of the Street Dogs would have been on your list. Oh, so, yeah, here definitely. we are. <laughs> and, you know, and, and the thing is, is, you know, he's in the Street Dogs, and that's great, and we get into that a little bit, but I was really happy that we, you know, focused on him and Dark Buster because I thought that album, the new album is just really cool. And uh, so it was really cool to talk to him about it. And he was a super nice guy. So, Yeah, definitely. And uh, one thing I wanted to mention since you mentioned it, we didn't talk about pop punk and how much it pisses me off. But See, well, we well, probably that's don't the thing. <laughs> and I hate, to say, I hate to say that it was pop punk because to me no, that's not, not a bad that. thing. No, I'm just I'm not talking about and that at maybe all. Maybe that's not about... the best way I should have described it. I just it seemed really it just had a, 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 a kind of a modern bounce with a kind of a every now and then a rootsy thing going on. I don't yeah. know. I'm a dick. I don't know what I'm talking about. No, I'm not talking about you saying that. I'm just <laughs> talking about in general. Whenever I hear a simple plan song or a Blink One Eighty Two song yeah. or something, I just I'm like, why is the word punk attached to this? I don't know. Hey, at least you didn't have to see Simple Plan in concert. <laughs> so. so you're saying that you did on this podcast, you're admitting it? Well, yeah. You know the right. story behind that. I don't. I know. I took my niece to see Good Charlotte and Simple Plan because her parents wouldn't. You know, and you're I would tear to, I'm a good pro and take her to her first concert, and she loved it. <laughs> I didn't, but that's not what it was about. Hey, I went to a dubstep concert for Tracy's kids. So yeah, there you go. yeah, I know. Well, you're a so stronger even. man than me. No, I think we're even. Uh, I don't good know. Charlotte. I think you, you think you win on that one? <laughs> I'd take dubstep over Good Charlotte. Well, just so maybe, you know. Maybe. <laughs> a terrible little laptop can sound better than Good Charlotte, but hopefully, it could uh, be true. Hopefully, Lenny Lashley is not a Good Charlotte fan. He's not going to sh- tell anybody about this interview. Right? Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> we're getting off on a tangent. We've got to <laughs> rein it back in, Trent. Well, do we want to just jump into the interview now? Yeah, let's let's get right into it. For the opportunity. I don't know, bro. Yeah, we appreciate you doing it. Yeah. Have you, uh, you played in Tulsa before? He's not for a number of years. Yeah. Uh, the last time we, the Doc was in Tulsa, yeah, we did it once. It had to be 15 years ago. It was a tornado warning, drove, drove everybody out of the club and well, nightmare drive out of here, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> that's all I really remember about it and crawling up under a, under a highway underpass at one point. We listened to local radio and I had, that was before the days of cell phones and, and 
weather reports that you could just check on your phone, you know. So yeah. I, we were listening to AM radio or something. They said, yeah, this county, and we drove right through that county. <laughs> so I pulled a van over and got everybody up under a highway underpass for uh, 45 minutes until it seemed like it blew over. And wow. Yeah, that's, that's Oklahoma for you. <laughs> <laughs> For sure, for sure. Well, you guys are what? Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, like six or seven shows into this Dropkick Murphy yeah, story? Today will be eight for us, I think, or nine for us, because we did one in Buffalo before we took off, too. But, yeah, with the Dropkicks, I think last night was last night was seven with them. Okay. Like, how's, the, how's that going so far? Been awesome. Uh, I mean, it, we're really lucky they do all the hard work. They put the people in the rooms. All we have to do is show up and try and play good, you know what I mean? It's, it's kind of a different way of touring for most bands, so, you know, no complaints. Those guys are... So so great to us, you know what I mean. So anything we need, really, they they're like like a big big father, a big big brother or a father or something, you know. Along, if you need something, they they had to coach you along and help you, you know. So yeah, they they've got, kind of got a built-in audience, you know. Well, now they've been doing it for so long. Same, so it really is literally like Groundhog's Day for them in a lot of places, you know. It's same, it's like St. Patrick's Day, 24-7, you know. Yeah. Well, have you, I assume, being part of the Boston scene, have you known them since back in the 90s? Well, I've known them since, yeah, like, 90, uh, early 90s, like, since 96, the exception of the band, pretty much. I mean, I didn't really know them, know them as well as I did, and I used to follow them around. Me and Mike, the original bass player, and uh, Eric, the original guys in Dakota, so that was our thing. We we wanted to go out and learn from the bands that were doing doing well in town. So those were those guys were the ones that would follow to all the gigs that they had. The Rat and Ken was just real ambitious. He seemed like he was always getting bigger and better gigs, and kind of was always trying to study the inner works of that. You know, it was like oh, there was a couple other bands, Amazing Royal Crowns in town that we followed a lot of, and, they, and consequently they were like lit, the same management company worked with both of those bands eventually. You know. But yeah, I've known them, like Mike was a, Mike and Rick, the original guitar player in the Dropkicks were the guys, like 97 when they got signed to Hellcat, that was a, I remember being there at that, that record release show they did there, you know. Well, so, uh, how the, I mean, obviously, like you said, playing to packed houses with their crowd, like when you get out of the Northeast area, how has the reaction been? For Dark I mean, everything is everything has been really positive, you know. There's a lot of people that have never seen the band before, and then there's like, we were at St. Louis the other night, and there were people that were 10 years or 12 years ago when we were coming through in a van by ourselves, where they're going like, hey, you know, not, well, basically I'm the only original member in the band, so, but, uh, but all of reaction as far as the 30 minutes that we have to kind of go out and prove it has been really, really positive. It's not like I've... I've you know, I've let red like bands going out and opening for Motorhead in the first fir- first four rows, just turning their back on bands, and everybody's been really, really receptive. Luckily, people are coming out early, so that's been really good. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's kind of the thing that you guys, uh, like you were saying, some people hadn't seen you, and you know, just kind of give us like a kind of a rundown because like Wikipedia says some stuff and. You don't ever know if Wikipedia is right so, or not. Yeah, so we were you know. we started out like 20 years ago, about when the Dropkicks did '96 or '97, uh, as a three-piece. Some younger kids than me. I'm like I just turned 51. They were 10 or or better years younger than me. But we were all playing in separate, different bands in a in a club, Derringers and Brockton. Uh, and we we went along for geez, I don't know. 
about four or five years with that lineup. We won like a local radio thing in BCN Rumble in 2000. Switched a little lineup change to one drummer. The one original guy, the drummer, Eric, left. We got a buddy of ours, Danny, to play and added a guitar player. This guy, Paul Delano, that was in a band, Mung. Real good band out of Boston. And then we did that lineup for... She said, I don't know, it had to be another five or six years. I had an industrial accident with my finger, lost a bit of my finger. We pulled on another guitar player, this girl, Amy Griffin, who played in the band Raging Teens. Uh, she joined. The old drummer, Eric, came back. That's when we did that original West Coast run with the drop kicks. That must have been 2005 or something. Uh, then we... we Everything built up to a tour that we had in Europe, first tour of Europe. I had a sub- significant mental breakdown in Europe, and we came back, and basically that was the, the band kind of dissolved at that point. You know, like we hadn't, I wasn't really in any kind of mental state to do anything for almost two years. So uh, we did one reunion show, the original lineup with the Boston's, I think, after that, one of the throwdown shows, and then it just basically, you know, it never really came up. So the opportunity to kind of move on and and do this, developed in a tour that I was out in Europe with the Street Dogs, and there's a promoter over there at MAD. We were covering one, one song that I had written, Skinhead, in the Street Dogs set, and they're getting really tremendous reaction from people over there. And that's kind of what, what brought the idea into my head, to kind of go back and yeah. dive into it a little bit more, finish an album that we had half in the can, and, and dump some money into that and get it up and going. And I hate living something uncom- like an uncompleted thing, you know, so... Well, that's pretty much the whole history, I guess, up to now. And yeah. Got some players on, on board from various bands. There's Ruben Lipkin from The Chosen Ones in Buffalo. Kid uh, Justin Bavona from The Interrupters is playing keyboards now. Sax's guy, Tom Cortuli, who, who played with us, the original lineup, for a bit. Uh, Pete, who plays with me in The Street Dogs, Pete Sosa. And uh, this guy, Halston, that Pete knows from Roger, Roger Moraine, the disasters played with Roger. So it's kind of like an all-style lineup when I think of it now, you know, and I wonder why the band is sounding as good as it does. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, the interrupters are great. I fucking love that album. Hard-working band. Yeah. And they're really, Justin's just a, for, for a kid that's as young as he is to get it, I was talking last the other night, like, geez, I wish I had a grasp on it at the age that he does, you know what I mean? Well, uh, No Revolution's great. I mean, it's it's got this, you know, folky stuff, but punky stuff. And, I mean, it's just, you guys hit it out of the park with, like, kind of the diversity, but also keeping it kind of a punk thing. It's just an awesome album. Well, thank you, man. Yeah, yeah, it was great. Yeah, got to say. <laughs> well, I well, appreciate that, that. You know, because there's a noticeable sound shift from the, the first album to that. So it's yeah, kind of like, is that just getting older where you're incorporating this stuff? You know, I think it's just like, like... The first album, we really didn't know what we were doing, like most bands didn't have any clue what we were doing, and we went in, and I'm happy with the way the album came up, but by the time a few years had passed and we got to go and do the weakness thing, we kind of knew a little bit some more people in, in better studios and had a little bit more time to make a better record, you know what I mean? Everything was funded out of our own pockets, but I mean, I, I think stylistically we kind of grew as songwriters like everybody does I think as you get into it I, it's such the natural progression of a band I think you know what I mean it's, and then uh, you know stylistically we were always even from the very first album we were always it's hard to categorize a band we were doing kind of horn sky stuff some hardcore stuff some real tongue-in-cheek uh, street punk kind of stuff so 
we really wrote for us for our own entertainment you know what I mean what made us feel happy about what we were playing and then if people liked it you know all, all the power to it you know Exactly. I noticed you do some uh, solo unplugged stuff. Yeah, yeah, I've been doing stuff on under uh, Lenny Lashley's Gang of One now. That I got a, a full length record too that I did that uh, uh, it's called Illuminator that was out on Pirates Press. That's kind of it's a full band thing, but the solo thing just developed. A lot of people were doing it. I've been playing since that breakdown in Europe. I hadn't been playing music for a little while, and that's how I got back into playing, getting the confidence to play just me and the acoustic guitar, kind of bearing my soul, and it just kind of was a good way to kind of reconnect with the music. So, you know, it, plus it's it's easier to get around in a, yeah. in a Honda Accord with an acoustic <laughs> guitar than it is in a 15-passing yeah. with a trailer full of gear and all of that, you know? <laughs> Much more cost-effective, you know? Were you playing uh, Gang of One stuff or only, or are you playing Darkbuster as well? No, that, I mean, like that, when I go out and do that, I, there was a band I was in, the Pissful Boys too, that was kind of like a country, western type of thing. So I do, I try and do a cross-section of everything that I can do from that, you know what I mean? Some things just don't translate to the acoustic guitar, so I won't do them, but even that, there's no, there's no golden rule to that, because sometimes I wait for a little while and gestate a different version of a song that I had written only for electrical or like a full band will come up and I'm always kind of trying to push the barriers of that too a little bit you know if a spirit moves me and it seems like it's the direction to head in then I'll, I'll go that way with it you know yeah just let it take you there I mean that's the thing it's like a muse I really look at it like now like a muse if it if something brings me along a vibe, and it's a vibe is working usually I can tell if it's working or if it isn't working if it seems like it's forced then I just let it go and try a different song you know yeah. Well, yeah, I was just kind of curious if you played any of the more punk stuff acoustically, I think, or is that the stuff that you mean doesn't translate? Well, I mean, this is just some stuff that does and some stuff that doesn't. Like, I haven't worked out an acoustic version of, like, like pub. On that first record, there's, a, there's not a ton of stuff that I do on the acoustic guitar because it was basically three-chord punk, you know what I mean? Right. Cheap wine and cigarettes, I do a little version of that that I've been doing, like, acoustically because that's, it works kind of, I do, a, like, a sadder, slower version of it. Which now, in hindsight, I think probably I was writing a sad, sad love song anyway from the get-go, you know, a sad, unrequited love song. I just didn't know how to express myself on an acoustic guitar at that point, you know, so. <laughs> that one seems natural, like it was supposed to be played the way I played on the acoustic guitar the more and more I play it, you know. Were there any, do you have any thoughts of recording that stuff? Or, I mean, recording a... Completely stripped down. There's been some out. talk of that with Skippy at Pirates Press. Mm -hmm. that guy that's been gracious, that label has been gracious enough to help me out and put some stuff out. And, uh, yeah, he's been talking about doing, he even at one point was talking to me about maybe just doing it live. I kind of like the idea of maybe just doing it in a studio but stripped down with a few players. Like Tim in the, the Dropkicks was nice enough to do some work on a solo record that I did, a 7-inch of Europe release. And just get three players and just kind of do it like, you know, like that singer-songwriter series kind of vibe, you know what I mean? So it's real laid back and just do a bunch of takes and find the best takes of it, you know? I don't know how cost-effective it would be, and then you got to get people's schedules. But I, I would really like to do something like that, I think, yeah. Well, uh... The street dogs have anything coming in the future besides just live shows, or is well, there... well, that's the idea is to get in. Now we're actually in pre-production, trying to get some stuff. Yeah, some okay. stuff uh, sift through the 
the library of material that I have, and John's got a bunch of stuff too, and get together and figure out where we're going we're to sit down and record the stuff, you know, and find the time to do it. We're hoping, I think, to, to get some of that stuff knocked out before we go to Europe in August, so. Okay. Are you looking to do a full album, or is it going to be EPs like the last No, I think the plan. Releases? I think the plan with the Street Dogs is to get a full, we're going to record another full length, is the okay. plan, as far as I know, yeah. And you, you guys got some shows with Rancid coming up? We got the one, the one for sure with Rancid, and the other one is that, so the 17th, St. Patty's Day, we do the one show in Fort Lauderdale with Rancid. And then the 18th, we're on that Flog and Molly cruise. So that's uh, 18th, 19th, 20th, uh, something like this. I got three-day cruise out of Miami. Yeah. So Flog and Molly, it's uh, the Tosses from Chicago, uh, Nate's band, Nate uh, from Flog and Molly's band, the Bunny Gang. is a sh- sh- I can't even remember how many bands are on that thing. So. Those cruises are a big thing now. Have you done one of those before? I've never been on a cruise ship before, yeah. so I've been practicing that. Man overboard! <laughs> like, I just practice that a lot, you know. Like. Yeah, taking nausea medicine stuff. That's what I'd have to do. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> you know. I mean, the downside is, like, I figure no no way to... There's no way to, to run. You're trapped on a boat for, you know, like... What do you do? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> When you're writing music, do you, uh, do you just write to write, or do you specifically think, since all these projects are a little bit different from each other, do you specifically write for something? You know, I, I never have done that. I think, like, I, I always think of it like the guys that were my heroes writing songs when I was a kid, you know, like, I listened to a lot. I, I kind of fell into the punk rock stuff. I listened to my stuff out of my mother's record collection a lot, and I really kind of identified with hooks. So I write whatever seems to kind of be poignant to me at the time, you know. A lot, like, most recently it's been kind of acoustic stuff, mostly sad kind of stuff along that line, but it's autobiographical kind of, you know what I mean? I write what I feel. Sometimes I'm feeling a little aggro. The aggro stuff comes out. I just back. I got like a bank of stuff that if it doesn't seem like it's going to work, I'll go back and revisit, you know. So that's the, the... the one side is it's very, very easy to just put down little bits of ideas. The hard part, like for the street dogs thing coming up, is sifting through all those ideas and figuring out what's, what's good and what's bad and yeah. what would go here, what would go there, you know. Yeah. What kind of stuff do you listen to now? Now I'm I'm across the board. Like I I, I really listen. Like my I, the stuff in my iTunes collection is like goes from really like from roots reggae, the tro- all the Trojan stuff. All the classic, you know, like classic rock stuff that I used to listen to as kids, like Beatles and Bad Company and all of that stuff. Mind you, I'm 51, so I, I grew up in kind of a different era than most, you know. Uh, and then the straight up punk rock, I've been listening to a lot of like uh, Old From Casuals, Laz's Band is, is really that one's. We're actually coming out to that, uh, to like a Laz song with the Dropkicks tour. Uh, I really love and respect Laz and Tim's songwriters always, so it's like. That's always something that I, I say, wow, maybe someday I'll write, stuff, write songs as good as they do, you know? Uh, but yeah, you know, like, I listen to, I try and listen to a variety of stuff. I don't want to be pigeonholed in that either, you know? Like, I always say, like, if you were a great painter, would you, would you just look at Picasso? Or, you know, you, you would, you'd, you'd look at some Renoir, you'd look at some Van Gogh, you'd look at everybody around you that paints, you know, and try and take what you can and, and have your own identity, you know? Yeah. I saw uh, 
was it some sometime in December they declared a Street Dogs Day in Boston? Oh yeah, Mighty Walsh, yeah, the mayor and Mighty <laughs> Walsh did that. Yeah, we did that like, three day run over there in, in uh, end of December. Like and how did that did that just come about to coincide? Your with guess is or? as good as mine. I don't, I I really <laughs> thought it was a prank. I I didn't even think it was real until I saw them. It was actually like a leather bound, you know, like a official looking embossed thing that they sent, you know, with a stamp in it. And I, I, I have no idea how it came about. Thus far, it hasn't worked into any free parking tickets or any of that right. shit. So still got to pay all those. Yeah, right. <laughs> so does that mean you got to play Boston that day or year? Jeez, I hope so. <laughs> right. I hope so. I hope it involves a free lunch too or something. Yeah. <laughs> I think that wraps it up. Cool, well, right on, you guys. Thank you yeah. so much for Thank taking for the time. Yeah, yeah, we appreciate it. Appreciate it. You guys sticking around for the show? Thanks, yeah. yeah. Oh, cool. There you go, Lenny Lashley. Do yourself a favor. Check out No Revolution from Darkbuster. Of course, Street Dogs. And do yourself another favor. Check out Lenny Lashley's Gang of One. Yes. Follow all this stuff on Facebook. And I know Lenny Lashley's Gang of One's on Reverb Nation. Darkbuster, of course. Buy it at your local record store. Yeah, it's a great record. Get on iTunes, Spotify, whatever it is you do, whatever you need to do to get that in your ears. We'd like to thank Christian from Pirate Press for setting us up for us, Mick for helping us out, which was his tour manager, and of course, Lenny Lashley. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, a great guy, awesome interview. So, uh, you know, we're happy to uh, bring it to you guys. Yeah, it's always cool to meet someone whose music you love and they're a cool yeah. person. Yeah, they're awesome, yeah. And he's definitely a cool person. And another thing I wanted to mention was every Sunday morning, Jason Wood here posts on our Instagram at The Thunder Underground, hashtag Sunday Morning Punk Rock. That's right. And basically just posts a picture of a band or an album or something from the punk rock world and just says, hey, check this out. That's right. So, uh, you know, check that out and get into it and, uh, you know, uh, take our advice. <laughs> yeah. So follow us on Instagram if you're on there, The Thunder Underground. You can also follow us on Facebook at The Thunder Underground, Periscope, Thunder Underground. Follow us on Twitter, T-H-N-D-R-U-N-D-R Ground. And our website is thethunderunderground.com. All this stuff's housed on there. All our previous episodes are on soundcloud.com backslash thunder-underground. 48 previous episodes for you to check out. Yeah, that's right. All kinds of stuff. Runs the gamut. Yeah. We specialized or focused in on punk this episode, but, you know, we're all over the place, whether it be hard rock, heavy metal, glam rock, punk rock. It's all good. We love it all. That's right. We uh, we do not discriminate. <laughs> all right. Well, we got anything else we want to talk about punk-wise before we bounce out? Any other band you want to throw a shout out to actually i do oh go ahead there's a band called i need to i keep forgetting their name well, while you're doing that <laughs> i've got one okay I, I mentioned them briefly earlier the interrupters there you go go check them out i they think got, you mentioned them in that interview yeah i did because yeah. they're great they've got a cool punk kind of a ska thing uh female singer sings her ass off and it's a it's a mean record my friend alan who listens to all our podcasts. That's right. Shout out to him. Definitely. Um, he's big into punk, and he uh, he told me to check out this band called Left Alone. Okay. Have you heard of them? I have and, not. And they are they have this real rancid vibe to them. Like, you could tell they're definitely fans of rancid, probably. Yeah. But they're, it doesn't sound like a cheap imitation. 
It really? just sounds like good, you know, and they've got a few albums now, two or three, I think at least. Well, I've got to check them out. So it's a good, a good newer band to check out. Cool. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, until next time. Well, you know, the next one's 50. Oh yeah. It's going to be a big one. I think. Let's I hope. hope. Well, we're not saying anything yet, but the next one's 50. So the silver anniversary, we might get James Hetfield on the phone. Probably not, but, uh, you know, wishful thinking, Trent. All right. Well, yeah, tune in next week for episode number 50 of the Thunder Underground podcast. Thunder Underground, y'all.